Trash Cinema. Welcome everybody to Trash Cinema. This episode will be discussing the filmography of Trash Cinema legend Shokusagi. I'm your host Michael. My co-host is Kent Hill on the other side. He is no ninja. <laughs> the um I remember my first experience with Shokusagi is my dad renting Enter the Ninja on a crappy old VHS from the library that had been rented a million times. I want to say it was like 1984. And I I didn't like the movie except for like the last 20 minutes. And I'm like, hello, what's this? And then not knowing that Revenge of the Ninja was just around the corner. My dad would rent it like the next day from the library. The coolest library ever apparently because they had all these weird exploitation films. Um, but that is my first experience. What's your first experience of show? Um, uh, it would have to be, it would have to be Revenge of the Ninja. Um, and my mother was the, the uh, I guess if, if this love of cinema wasn't inherent in me, if it was something that I, 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 it was handed down to me, if it was, if it was, if it was not something internally and it was handed down to me, it probably came from my grandmother who was a, uh, absolutely avid film watcher. And film goer, and I, I guess that spilled a little bit into my mother, but not as much. But my mother was really prone to like getting out some, you know, when she went to the video store, sometimes she'd come away with some weird choices. And oddly enough, one one day she came home with uh, Revenge of the Ninja and another ninja movie called, um, it was called Nin, Ninja Ninja Mission or something like that. Ninja. A t- ninja Mission Attack or something like that. It was another yeah, Ninja movie. I, re- I think I remember that one. Ninja um, Fantasy Attack or something like that. Or I can't remember. There's a, there's a, I'm yeah, guessing I, it's probably I, one of those with, uh, there's a, there's an actor, damn it. I think, I don't know if he was yeah. in Camelot, George Hamill, Han- uh, never mind, it doesn't matter. But there was a guy I remember who they, yeah. he only filmed like four movies with them, but they ended up editing him into like 90 different Ninja movies to his dismay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing, the thing about it, and I only ever saw it the once. All I remember of the cover it was a very nice painted cover, and it had ninjas with machine guns on the cover, um, and of course fire behind them, and it was called Ninja Mission or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so she she watched that one. I didn't bother with that one. I went off and did something else. And when I came back, she was watching Revenge of the Ninja. Um. And I was like, and I was sort of like, I was half watching it, and and it wasn't until like the big sort of fight on the end, like the whole sort of last battle um, up on the roof of the building on the badminton court, and I was like, uh, yeah, this is great. And then there was you know a lot of hot tub, you know, death by hot tub, and all that sort of, <laughs> um, you know, he's gonna drown, he's gonna drown the chick in the hot tub, and you know all that sort of stuff. And I was like, wow, this is different. And, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that was probably my first uh, foray because it all begins and ends up on their roof. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know uh, much about his career, but how exactly did he get cast in the first place for Into the Ninja? Okay, right. So, long story, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, show was, uh, like a lot of guys, came to America, went to university, Realized that he had something culturally to offer, 
with his uh, martial arts because at the time he came to America, martial arts was very popular. And um, so like a lot of people like Bruce Lee before him, he started to train anyone who was interested in, in martial arts in this particular particular brand of karate. So anyway, um, he realized that uh, seeing how these other martial artists were getting more famous and that's how they were getting more students. So what he ended up doing was going to um, a lot of tournaments and fighting in tournaments and winning trophies and becoming famous that way. And so, because all, all he's thinking of at, at this moment is getting more students to get more money to set himself up. Okay. So, um, at this point, he uh, realizes what's the easiest way to get into the film business, and that was to be an extra or a stuntman. So, that's basically how he started, as an extra and a stuntman. Famously, in his credits, you'll see that he was an extra on Godfather 2, some movies like that. Huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, anyway, he uh, he does that for a while. And in typical sort of... It, it's a little bit similar to the seasonal films and in canon fashion. He was, he was, a, he was already cast as a stuntman on... Um, enter the ninja, right? So he was already working on the film. And um, I don't know whether you know the story or not, but there was a guy called Mike, 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 Mike Stone, right. who was an actress and who um, had risen through the ranks and he was quite notorious. And anyway, he was cast in the Franco Nero part, okay, initially. And anyway, so they'd shot for a couple of days or whatever and realised it wasn't working. And so Menachem Gohan was lucky enough, was in for the for the Manila Film Festival and Franco was there and he literally went up to Franco and he said, Franco, we need you, right? We need a new star for this movie and he's got to be, he can't be an Asian actor, he's got to be a, a, a Western actor. And uh, so Frank, Franco was like, you know, I don't even know what a ninja is, right? <laughs> so like, well, it wasn't so part of the normal, uh, you know, lexicon back then. Yeah, yeah. And like Franco was like, you know, everyone knows, you know, he was Django. I mean, it was, you know, he was like, what? Okay. So, you know, never never to stare a payday in the mouth. Uh, he said, okay, what a, we'll give it a shot. Anyway, so this bumped... Uh, show up because he was a stuntman and this bumped him up because like now they needed to change the story a little bit and so then he eventually says well you know you're you know you're pretty good we've been watching the dailies with you you are now the lead bad guy in this movie enter the ninja and he was like oh, oh this is fantastic and and so literally that was his launching pad and when it came to doing Revenge of the Ninja, um, they were like, oh, we're going to make this whole build, base this whole movie around you, right? You're going to be the star. Um, but what he was trying to do was his sons, both of his sons, as you probably know, are also very talented actors and martial artists and, and stuntmen. And they were only very small, right, at the time. Right. And, and so Kane, of course, is in the movie. Kane is, is shows son in real life. And he was trying to convince Menachem that, you know, hey, put we could do a family thing and put my son in the movie as well. 
And he was like, nah, 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 nah. And he said, please, please. He says, okay, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you 30 seconds. I'll give you 30 seconds to, to show me. And so, you know, his son had also been, by this time, to a lot of tournaments, even though he was young. And he knew how to focus. And he says, okay. And he told his son, okay, these, these stuntmen are going to run at you. And you have to, you know, fight them. And so he, he did it pretty much like what he does in the, in the movie. And he was just like, wow. And Malcolm was like, wow, wow, this is perfect. Yes, you and your son. And this is going to be great. And uh, wow, you know. Yeah, and it's, so, yeah, it's it definitely – revenge is the peak, I think, of the entire run of his career. Uh, changing the focus away from Franco Nero I think does hurt sales internationally a bit because Franco was still a, a good name. But yeah. it was smart to shift the focus. And it kind of set a trend for a lot of shows, movies – is that it was about family, is that he wasn't just a mindless killer, which they did in a lot of ninja movies. Sure, yeah. And I mean, with with the birth of these films is, of course, the birth of the ninja movie, right? I mean, because then you have American ninja movies, um, you know, so canon really, I'm not saying that they propelled the ninja film uh, to ever greater heights, but they certainly made a lot of them. Like, dude, <laughs> loved of ninja movies and they certainly had this was their renaissance um was the ninja movies at this time because there's not enough ninja movies today i think i think there should be more ninja movies yeah i keep i keep expecting that there's going to be another scott atkins ninja movie but it's been what six years now i I don't know if it's going to happen yeah i don't know it's it's kind of you know i think we it'll, it'll either come back in the form of a reboot like someone will reboot american ninja yeah you know and redo that series, but, you know. You know what's funny is MGM owns like a massive catalog from all the companies that they've acquired, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't done yeah. like a lower level, like exploitation level, a label <clears throat> or direct video stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and relaunch American Ninja. Yeah, totally. Like Channing Tatum is. <laughs> no, I don't see that app. Well, maybe he was a dancer. <laughs> so I guess he's got choreography. Yeah. No. So, you know, because it'll, it'll have to be, it, when it does happen, it'll have to be one of those big, you know, whoever's, whoever's popular at the moment um, will be the American Ninja, if, if they're so inclined. Yeah. And, you know, and, and of course it would be very nice if if they throw, like, Michael Dudikoff, an aging Michael Dudikoff in there. It would be like, or like maybe uh, it could be his kid so, or something like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's the father you know, and there's the training montage at the start. He teaches him as a boy, and then he gets killed, and, and the boy grows up. Um, you know, he's yeah. got amnesia. <laughs> American Ninja and, Legacy, uh, or the Next Generation, yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So between he joins we, the arm for no particular reason. Between yeah. <laughs> Revenge of the Ninja yeah. and Ninja Three, he did the TV show The Master. Normally, we don't talk about TV shows on here, but it's it fits perfectly into this discussion because. It's almost peak ninja popularity, and people shit all over that show. I think it's a lot of fun. It is. It is. It's classic. And you, I mean, there is like, it's like a ninja smorgasbord. Like there is not an episode where there is not a group. Like where he's not taking on a group of ninjas, or there's you know there are a group of ninjas chasing him, or they're f- trying to find a secret group of ninjas. It's like you know it's. Ninja, like if you're a ninja fetish 
um, you know, almost a sexual fetish for ninjas, this show is like for you. Yeah. Because if it was a drinking game, if, if this if this was a drinking game, and every time you see a ninja in the show, you'd be hammered. <laughs> every time you saw Lee Van right? Cleef all yes. of a sudden put on a mask and uh, no longer soft and pudgy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's highly entertaining. Drink, it's like yeah. yeah. It's like it's like the cake boss drinking game. Like every drink, every time he says fondant, you know, like you know, it's uh, <laughs> every time a ninja comes on the screen, drink, you know. <laughs> uh, ninja three, yeah, it's beautiful. Ninja it's three really, is a trilogy. I'm sorry, uh, were you? Uh, if you weren't done with the master, I thought you were. I, I apologize. No, 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 you're right. Carry on. Yeah, okay. Ninja three. The, it's it's a, a trilogy, trilogy, but he plays a different character every time, and that kind of throws it off a bit. You're like that that doesn't usually happen with a series of the same actor. Yeah, but he gets an eye patch in that one, which is yeah. kind of cool. You know, this is the weird it's one. Like, this is a crazy ass one where it mixes horror and dancing and somehow video games, and uh, best, he's best, not he's not the, the main star this time. Yeah, sorry. The best analogy I heard of this film is it combines it combines The Exorcist. A ninja movie and flash dance, um, and they're all thrown in a blender together. And it is, it is, it is truly. It's one of those only in the canon. You know, it could only exist in, within the canon right. universe. This is so yeah, bonkers. The I don't know who the first ninja guy is, the villain, but that first half hour fight sequence, which is I. It feels like it's a half hour. Is one of the most insane, elaborate fight sequences I've ever, ever witnessed. It is. It is, and it's just, it's just like, it's just so. You get, the, you always get the feeling with canon, and I don't want to talk too much about canon because that's not what we're talking about. But <coughs> you always get the feeling that, um, uh, as as they often said, Menachem liked the idea of just all these different like. Oh yeah, now he does this. Like you get the feeling it almost has like a made up on the spot quality. Like okay, we can't we can't afford to do this. Okay, we'll just have him do that then. And go and okay, and so they just they, it's almost has like let's make up shit as we go along. Sort of yeah. you know, it's a great quality to have. I think in a movie somehow it almost always works, and that's what I enjoy about yeah and like films. yeah, and the fun thing about some of these ninja movies too and, and shows movies as well is there's certain sequences that just um like if you if you troll the internet and you type in like show uh uh Kos- uh Kosuyugi, um you will come up with sometimes just clips just action scenes from his from these ninja movies because the the action sequences, even though these aren't big, huge budget films, and they're not, um, you know, the stuntmen and everyone who executes themselves, all of the fight scenes are still uh, are hardcore, and there's a lot of guys on the screen. And like, um, I personally, one of my favourite scenes from the uh, Revenge of the Ninja is the whole when he chases the dudes in the van. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The scene where he chases the dudes in the van. Yeah, that's a great sequence. Like you know, um, you know, and it's and you, you can, uh, you know, for for a guy who like and he hangs on and he hangs on and he hangs on till finally he's got nothing left and finally there's one dude that can drive the thing away, and and he, not only that does he is he completely spent, 
and he's ripped to shreds because he's been dragged across the dragged across the asphalt for, for several kilometers. And then he walks home, absolutely shattered, and to find his mother stabbed through the guts, stabbed through the guts. His son is missing, um, and all of his dolls that he thought were worth a lot of money are taken. And you know, it's just like wow. And it's just like that's you know. Well, I think I think what Canon Pictures did that was smart is that they knew that the dialogue wasn't that important when you have to sell it internationally, which is where Canon Pictures made most of their money. Well, it's it was true. about the action, so you yeah. had to have great action. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean some of these some of his films too feel like there's they come up with a bunch of really great fight scenes, and let's just and the story was an afterthought. Okay, how can we tie this? You know, we need a bit of story to tie these action scenes together because yeah. you know. But, um, no, but I mean, just, you know, great, just, just great stuff. And I mean, the, the Ninja movie, you know, forgetting show and his career, the Ninja, the, this, like you said, this is the Ninja movie. Anyone who loves these movies and loves that show, um, and show himself, um, this is, like you said, this is the pinnacle. This is, this was the high watermark of the Ninja popularity and and you know in in cinema and television and you know all that kind of thing yeah here is where it goes wrong is canon pictures wasn't offering what in his mind uh, seemed like an, enough money per picture he's bringing a decent amount i don't know what he got paid but that's what i was reading is and then he moved on to other companies and i think the first movie post canon was his worst and it was a huge mistake and it nearly destroyed him is the one he did with crown international pictures called Nine Deaths of the Ninja, and I've seen it a couple times, and it yeah. is insane. I don't, it's it's a very, very oddball movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's insane. It's also beautiful. I just love his character name is Spike Shinobi. <laughs> is the game based on him? It's a character name, Spike Shinobi. I don't know. It could be. That'd be that could be an interesting thing we might have to look up. And follow up on, but yeah, Spike Shinobi is his name because yeah. he's always he's always got like sometimes he's got sometimes he's got like just one name like in the master he was just called Arso, you know. Yeah, it's a uh... and then you know he was he was <coughs> he was like Cho Osaki in Revenge of the Ninja, and then he was Hasegawa in Enter the Ninja, and then Akira. Sioto or you know Shiro Tanaka or you know it, or very very sort of Japanese names, but Spike Shinobi I think is the great name. <laughs> it is it's a, yeah. definitely a video game. It's name. Yeah, it's very it's very non true Like the rest of them sound sort of traditional, but Spike Shinobi yeah. sounds like a great. Character. You know what the movie Someone reminds me of? Oh, in this movie you're gonna play. You ever seen Never Too is Young that... to Die with Gene Simmons and John Stamos? Yeah. Does Nine yeah, Deaths and Ninja though. feel yeah. like that same kind of weird hodgepodge bonkers action film? It does. It does. With a little bit mixed in of that, you know, Lou Ferrigno movie, The Seven Magnificent Gladiators. Or yeah, 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 that's that one. Yeah, it feels a li- it feels like a little bit of that thrown in. Like not not obviously not fantasy wise, but that's kind of an insane 
movie as well. You know, like the plot really doesn't make sense. Yes, <laughs> it's just like we've got we've got all this really cool looking stuff. Who cares about a plot, right? <laughs> yeah, here's the problem. Yeah. I think is that Canon. Yes, they didn't pay him as much. They didn't spend as much on the movies. But that meant they had more money for marketing and getting it out in like 800 screens. When you hook up with Crown International Picture or Transworld, look, they're going to pay you more. The budgets are going to go from like one and a half to three or four million. But guess what? I don't know any movies they had that were that successful. I mean, I don't. Did any of them get released on like full, like 600 screens with promotion? No, I don't remember any of these movies getting commercials. No, no. No, I mean, all of this, like, all of these films, I don't think I, you know, except for, like, out of his whole catalogue, I mean, this isn't counting The Godfather Part 2, right, which he was supposedly a passerby in a coat, unaccredited, um, <laughs> except for The Godfather 2 and Blind Fury, um, they're the only two films I think I saw theatrically that in his catalogue here. The rest was all video. Yeah, low-budget um, independent or, companies. Or DVD. Uh, yeah. Now, Pray for Death, I was certain I had seen. Someone told me it was his best performance, his best movie, and I kept thinking they were talking about Nine Deaths and Ninja, and I was like, uh, did we see the same film? And I finally saw yeah. Pray for Death. It's not as good as Revenge of the Ninja, oh. but it is highly underrated. Yes, totally. And I remember, I still have my VHS uh, copy of this, because I remember seeing that cover, the cover that just has a very tight close-up of him in the mask, and the cover was sort of shredded like he was ripping through it. Yeah. And, you know, pray for death. And I was just like, this looks this looks absolutely cool. And, uh, yeah, it is it is really a forgotten... Uh, this Put it this way, in my video stores, anyway, around, around these parts... This movie was such a big action hit, or billed as a big action hit movie, that there was a massive standee, like a big cardboard um, standee in, in three dimensions almost, like it was, you know, and pray for death, and it was going to be like a huge video release. Nice. Um, and I was just, like, and I was just like, oh, this, I can't wait for this one. And uh, look, a lot of these movies, like you, you see the posters and everything, and go. And and the the quality of the film isn't didn't really live up to all of the the advertising, but it it lives up to it in the sense like it's 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 hardcore. The action's hardcore. His performance is yes, very very good. Um, he definitely he definitely stepped up his uh, was trying to look like he was trying to step up his acting chops in this one, and uh, yeah, but just a great great like it's just. The action is so frenetic, it's so energetic that it's just—it's hard not to—it's hard not to sit there and just go, "That is—that's just cool." It's hard not to sit there and say it's not cool. Yeah. His next one is one that reintroduced me to Shokusagi because I kind of—I kind of walked away from him for a while. Kind of thought I was being more mature, and I caught on cable one day *Rage of Honor*, which seems so much different than the rest of his movies. It's got more John Woo-style action sequences, just as John Woo is breaking out with A Better Tomorrow. Uh, his acting, his accent are, yeah. is better. The setting is a little bit different. And to me, this might be his most expensive yeah. film because there's a warehouse fight with rocket launchers and shit like that that looks just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, again, another great another great entry uh, again, yeah, this is, this one looks like it's it's done for a, a, a pretty decent budget, as you said. Um, 
different, you know, I mean, different in the sense this is the this is this one's not a ninja movie, you know, um, because you kind of associated him with ninja movies, and when this one comes along, this one's a little bit more, you know, traditional action hero. Yes, he's you know, yes, obviously martial arts and all that sort of stuff, but uh, the absence of, the absence of ninja for a scene where you know, as a little homage and ninja jumps out and he's just like, oh, not you again. Um, <laughs> you know, almost like almost like that scene in uh, American Ninja 2 where the dude, where they go up to the general who's like, you know, the Matthew McConaughey of, of generals and he's like, you know, <laughs> oh, what do you, what, what, what do you mean ninjas, man? <laughs> well, you know, um, so yeah, you're almost waiting for a ninja to pop out, you know, to have a little bit of a, um, you know, oh, hey. oh, not you guys again, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, this one was like a this one I think was like a big push. This was like okay, this guy's done a few movies now. Let's let's step it up a little bit. Let's see how we go, um, and give him a different kind of part. Like even though he's you know he still plays a similar part, but he's not he's not a ninja. He's not you know fighting for you know the honor of a ninja clan. He's not doing any of that sort of stuff so um yeah so it was it was a real change of pace and it was just um it, it felt like in, in in retrospect it felt like the big push it felt like the push like let's let's put him in a bigger movie and see how it goes yeah it gets past well, that niche it's trying to appeal to a more yeah. mainstream audience which this the second half of his career isn't as successful by any means but it's more interesting in the fact that he really tried to test new things Oh sure, sure, and then of course you go into something like Black Eagle, yeah, with uh, with a young uh, Jean Claude and like a, a now a very different role, and um, you know, and this, I mean, and that movie was, it, it's not the greatest film, uh-huh. um, Black Eagle, but you know, it's it's, look, I remember watching it on video, and I was sort of like. Because I, I think I think I'd actually seen another. Van, I think I'd actually seen. What movie did I see? I saw another Van Damme movie before I actually saw this one. No retreat, no surrender. And yeah, no, yeah, no, it might have been, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, hey, there's that dude from uh, Thingo, and oh, and Shokus, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this might be worth it. But it was, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it just. It, it's not. It's not one of my favorite. Oh, of all these movies, it's not. It's probably one of my least favorites. Yeah, it's um, what Imperial's you know. first original production, very low budget, but it does. It does give him something to do. He's a spy. It brings the family back into it again. But I keep expecting it. Like you got Shokuzagi, yeah. you got Van Damme, who's just breaking out, and the action sequences, for the mm-hmm. most part, are a dud. Yeah, and that's. Yeah, I was just like, I, I really, when I saw those two together, I thought, well, there's going to be some cool fights. But the fights were kind of mediocre, I thought, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, should... yeah, it's probably my least – out of all these movies, it's my, it's my least favorite. The one. one that I haven't seen, and it's really hard to find, it's it's only on VHS, is Aloha Summer, which is completely different for him. It's a comedy with Chris Makepeace. I think Tommy Wallace directed it. Not really part of this discussion because it doesn't really fall into the action trashy thing, but just letting you know we did skip over yeah. that one. Uh, Blind Fury yeah. is basically yeah. his last American – uh, production and he's only in a small part of it. It's a really fun movie from Philip Noyce with Rudger Hauer as a blind swordsman. Yeah. Is it a remake of Zatoichi? 
Yes, yes, totally. Yep, it is a totally a remake of Zatoichi. And it is um, it is hands down my favourite Philip Noyce movie. It's hands down one of my favourite Rutger Hauer movies. Um, and I'm just so glad that, that he's he's in it. Um, it's sort of I think it's kind of fitting that he's in it, even though he's not connected with the whole Zatoichi uh, thing. But he's he's like you know if if you had to bring in like uh, you get always it's it's almost it's almost it, I, I feel the same way about this as I felt about when he did that movie for the Wachowskis when he did that Ninja Assassin movie yeah um, you know in like what was it two thousand and nine I felt the same way like when he showed up in that movie it was almost like oh this is great right who better you know who better for the 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 ninja or the not the ninja assassin but the assassin um then then show um Kosyugi is just it's fantastic it's 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 a it's a great you know in, in a movie that is so flamboyantly 80s <laughs> and um it's 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 so full-on 80s from the clothes that they wear to the hairstyles what's well, also the, the to tone the, to the bad guys with their I don't think you're going to do yeah. another ninja movie. This is when it started to turn to more comedy. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, you know, and, and there's playing for laughs and um, Rutger Hell is fantastic. And it's just it's just a great, it's a great time at the movies. I was so happy uh, when I actually got to see a, um, they played a, did a, did a, in a revival. There's not many revival houses in this country like there are in America, but I did get to go to a, a cinema that was playing a 35mm print of, of Blind Fury um, some years back, and it was just it was just incredible to see on the big screen. It really plays... I mean, I know that a lot of people say, well, you know, with the way home cinema is going, it's... Uh, you can... You can, uh, you can give a pretty good facsimile of the experience. No, you can't really. No. There's nothing like seeing these movies in the Look, cinema. I this have plays so much. Yeah, this I have a projector. So it's not the same. The picture just isn't the same. Uh, the the sound kind of sucks yeah. because the fan is so fucking loud from the projector. I got kids running around in my neighborhood, yeah. and there's distractions. I can get up and go to the bathroom. When I went to see Avengers yesterday, yes, I know I saw it like a month later than everybody else. Shut up. I don't like people. I don't like claustrophobia. Right. Um, but I had to time my bathroom break perfectly. But that's also kind of part of the appeal is that you can't just get, distract yourself with your phone or wander off. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, Blind Fury. Um, and, and a wonderful side story that I found out after talking to Philip Noyce, the man himself, uh, which I was really excited to do, was that I said, you know, I want to talk about Blind Fury. He said, man, everyone wants to talk about Blind Fury. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "What is it with he, he, he said, "What is it with that movie?" And I said, "I don't know." I said, "It's just out, out of all." I said, "You've made some wonderful films, but it's hands down my favorite film of yours." And this was his first, ironically, as it is um, show's last American film. It was Philip's first American film, right? So because he just come off Dead Calm, and uh, and and everyone was like, "Oh, this guy's pretty good." Let's get him over here and, and make some movies for us. And so he does. And he said they'd made the film, but he said the the company was finished. They, this is weird because it was, you know, there's there's humor in it. There's, there's a lot of different stuff. It wasn't really, 
it was, it was a different kind of 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 movie, um, and they were worried about how are the laughs going to play in this movie that, that has some pretty serious stuff going on. And uh, he's like, well, look, give it to me. So he took the film and actually brought it back here to Queensland, and and he, himself put it put it in a bunch of theaters, and it made like over a weekend, and it made like five million dollars. Oh wow! Okay. Five million, yeah, like okay, five million dollars today doesn't sound like a lot of money, but back when this came out, <coughs> circa the late eighties, five million dollars was five million dollars, and he brought it back here to Queensland and put it in theaters. It made five million dollars, and he rang him back up and he says, "Okay, look, uh, because Australia was still, you know, the other side of the world then. It, uh, like the, you know, the world was so much bigger then." Uh, <laughs> Uh, if it can make five million dollars in this in this city on the other side of the world, I th- I think we've got a shot, and that actually convinced them to to put Blind Fury out in a broader release, and um, and it went on to do very well. Yeah, and, in America, uh, was, yeah, it, I think it made like two and a half in America, but I remember when it was on video, it exploded. It was huge. Yes, yeah, I mean uh, this this was definitely a movie that has. Continued and had a, a one of those movies had a second life on on VHS because the theatrical was not huge. But it's definitely if anyone gets the chance, like if Phil ever comes out and and says you know he's going to do like a weekend where he plays like two of his movies there in the states and one of them is Blind Fury. Whether you like the other movie or not, get along to see Blind Fury in the cinema because it plays so well um, in a movie theater. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. But yeah, yeah. So it was one, great. It was great to see. Him pop up. Yeah. There's one movie left in his years of yes. stardom. Yes, he appeared in Ninja Assassin, which I actually forgot until you said that. Yeah. Uh, and he was in some TV stuff. But his last leading role is one that's lost, basically universal. At least in America, they released it very briefly on video, and then it just disappeared. It's actually a really good movie, and it's something so beyond what he normally did. I appreciate it so much more for yes. that. Journey of Honor was in 91, two years after Blind Fury. His career was pretty much washed up, and somehow he put together this international yes. adventure film, which is different than what he usually does. And it's – it's I, I go find it. I, I'm pretty sure it's like on YouTube or something somewhere. Yes, or unless you're like me, I do. I still have this uh, VHS copy, a VHS copy of Journey of Honor, um, because yeah, it is uh, completely, you know, it is completely off the wall. It's 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 a period. Can we say it's a period film? Oh, it totally, it totally is. Oh, it's, it tries to be a period. Yeah, it's a period film, and um, you know, in the set in the 17th century. And it, it's it's a lot. It, it deals a lot about you know the West, you know, Japan and and fighting against you know Western uh, invasion and all that sort of thing. And um, I I I, <laughs> I I remember my sister hanging around in the background while I was watching this on TV one day, and um, the 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 clan. One of his is the clan's name is the. The Toya, the Toya Tomis, the Toya Tomi clan, and she kept saying, "Is that? Did he say it's the Toyota clan? Like <laughs> the, the car Toyota?" <laughs> and I said, "No, it's Toya Tomi, not 
Toyota. And I was like, I said, I know it sounds a bit like Toyota, but, um, you know, I suppose they could be a Toyota clan, couldn't they? But, um, you know, uh, but yeah, it just, it, it's such a, uh, you know, it, it really is, like, if you watch, there's a great interview with show online where he talks about stuff stuff that he wants to do now. Like, he said after after he appeared in uh, the Wachowski-produced Ninja Assassin, it was almost like people had forgotten him. And this was like, oh, crap, you remember show Kusiyagi? Like, oh, this is fantastic. Look at him in this movie. He's great. And he said he got so many offers. He said, I've got hundreds of offers after a movie to do other martial arts movies and action movies and whatever. And, of course, he says, you know, either you send me a good script or pay me a lot of money, otherwise I won't do it. But um, he also said that he's been writing two books. He's been writing two books. And I haven't seen these. I haven't seen these books, so I don't know whether they're available or not. But one is supposedly like a, as he pitches it on the interview, one is supposedly like a National Treasure meets some sort of fantasy adventure movie, and he wants to be in it. Him and his son, like he wants his son to be the lead in it, and he plays a, a character in it, and he wants to do like this. You know, he wants to produce it, and yeah. So it's it's interesting. Like you know he. He said, I could have done all these action movies after that, but I didn't uh, because I re- he really wants to focus on, on stuff that he wants to do rather than just rehash all the old stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, is he still a teacher? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, he totally still uh, has his, his academy, um, you know, where he teaches, where, where you can go and learn not only martial arts, but but, but acting too, I believe, and, and stunt work and all that sort of stuff, so very accomplished. Yeah, you'll say that's sometimes more fulfilling to me. <laughs> he's sick. Sorry, sorry, if you don't know what's going people. on, he's sick. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's not distortion. That <laughs> uh, was not a fight contrary to popular. I uh, I, I didn't I didn't realize I should have asked, and I, I'm making him do this. I'm I'm being a jerk. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. At least my my voice sounds better. I remember that time we did one, and I was absolutely. Uh, froggy and coughing all over the place, but yeah. I've just got my nose is just slightly stuffed. So yeah. I think we're all getting it. You know, it's, it's yeah. Fun. <laughs> I, this this is the first yeah. podcast I've done in three weeks where my voice is mostly back. I mean, if you're a regular listener, yeah. you know my voice is usually a little bit lighter than this and nasally, and maybe this is the voice you're to stick with. Uh, it's a little more mature. Yeah. Uh, yes, it makes us sound really yeah. deep and professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this episode's a little shorter than usual, um, but sadly his career was shorter than usual. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed this yeah. discussion. I, like I said at the beginning of the season, I really want to dive more into what you would consider trashy, drive-in, cult cinema that we find entertaining. And uh, we discussed the next episode. Yeah. We're going to discuss the films of Fred Williamson, but specifically his Italian trashy films. The Mad Max ripoffs, the Dirty Harry ripoffs, stuff like that, because... He he, I don't know if a lot of people even know who he is outside of uh, from dusk till dawn. Now, like people who are younger than us, and yeah, uh, totally. It's weird. Like when I when I t- when I when I spoke to him, um, when I spoke to him in league with this this film that I was reviewing, uh, for pod, a, a a German, 
uh, action film that he's done, or crowdsploitation as it's as it's been referred to. Um, he, I was reading off his credits back to him, and he said, "Oh, don't forget about Dust Till Dawn. That's how people know me." And I'm just like, really? That's all they know is Dust Till Dawn. Like, what about Black Caesar? And what about Hell Up in Harlem? And what about, you know? Uh, one down, two to go, and like yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it does. I mean, well, I would think with Larry Cohen, it's just like, well, yeah, Larry Cohen's trending, so I think some of those are going to get discovered again. Yeah, how sad was that, eh? Larry passing. Eh? I don't know, he was ill or anything. He seemed so, he always seemed so vital, and and uh, that was such a shock. I was really like, no, he's, wow, you know, because yeah. I. It doesn't feel like that long ago I spoke to him um, and reviewed the documentary, and uh, it didn't seem like that long since I spoke. I actually spoke to him after that. Um, it does surprise you. Like, there's no reason John Singleton's the, dead. When the, the thing yeah. was on. Yeah, there's no reason Luke Perry's dead, John Singleton's yeah, dead. It's like, shocking. Wow. I was just like, damn, that's. Yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, it's so. The, you know. It was just, it was so sad, and, and it really, as I said to Steve, who made the documentary about Larry, I said it's just incredible. I think it's, man, how, how, you know, how fortuitous that you finished that film when you did, uh, and he passes not, not twelve months or fourteen months after the fact. Yeah. Uh, when it, when it finally gets its its wider release, and of course you can get it on Blu-ray and, and stream it and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, and and um, and the hammer, the hammer, of course, is a big part of uh, that. You know, he he put Fred in, in a lot of movies, and and Fred with his cigar. Um, you know, that's that's how he was talking to me on the phone when I when I <laughs> rang Fred. He was sitting out on his porch with a cigar. Um, you know, and I can only imagine him sitting there talking to me on the phone with said cigar in his hand, and he's such a cool guy. He the, the, my, my, my friend, to, to, tease, to tease the next episode we're on together a little bit, um, I actually rang him. I was on time, and the phone rings, and it rings out. And so I hang up, and I thought, I'll leave it a sec, uh, because I got a voice message. And I thought, I'll leave it a minute, just in case he wasn't near his phone. I'll try it again. And just as I'm about to call, I get a voice message. Right, so I click on the voice message and I ring the number, and it's the tail end. It's the tail end of a message where he just got a hold of the phone as I'm hanging up, and he's like, "Yo, it's Hammer." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, and I've I've still got it. I saved it because it's great. He's like, "Yo, it's Hammer. Don't hang up." You know. <laughs> And I was like, "That's fantastic!" And I love, I love the fact that he refers to himself as the hammer. It was like, when I finally got him, I, I, I actually picked up when I got through the second time. He's like, "Hey, Kent!" I'm like, "Hey, hammer!" And he's just like, "Hey, you doing?" This is fantastic to call him. You know, he likes, he loves it. He's like, "Yeah, call me the hammer. Call me, yeah. Just don't call me, you know, Larry or something. <laughs> <laughs> call me, call me, call me hammer. Call me, you know." I said, "What do you prefer, Jim, Mister, whatever, you know?" Nah, call me Hammer. Everyone calls me Hammer. My friends call me Hammer. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, such a cool, such a cool guy. Such a such a cool guy in life and in films. And uh, yeah, and if you want to listen, like you know, I know we're plugging the 
in plugging the next episode we're going to do, but also a personal plug, if you go on to podcastingsoftly.com and type in my name into the search bar and have a listen to Fred's uh, interview, it's really great. Um, and he's such a great guy. He's such even at, even at, at, at I can't believe the dude is like eighty years old. He's eighty years old, and you wouldn't think. You know, you watch him even in that Atomic Eden. Um, he's not like he's not a he's, he's just as vital and just as fresh as he ever was, um, and such a presence on screen All and right. such a character. So that's uh, the teaser for the next episode. Find him over at Podcasting Him Softly. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we go? Um, Your no, books? Not really. Yeah, oh, you can find me, book-wise, you can find me at, uh, KH, at KHP Scribbling on uh, Facebook and, of course, Amazon. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Podcast Him Softly. And, uh, yeah, and show uh, Kusuyugi marvelous 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 uh performance all of the ninja movies if you're into ninja movies he was this was the guy at the heat at the peak of of the popularity uh of ninja films um he's also part of the canon history so yeah go check check them all out find find go and find them most of them are available yeah like, actually, for instance i looked it up while I looked it up. All of them are on DVD, and except for Aloha Summer and Journey to Honor, and both are on YouTube. Yeah, totally. And and there's some great double packs for people who like value. Um, there's Blu-ray releases now with uh, both Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja on the same uh, on the same disc Blu-ray. Yeah. And so there's some great little packages. So and uh, yeah, and if you'd like to know more about show, there's some great, like I said, interviews on YouTube. With the man talking uh, about his life, about his career, um, you know, because he talks, he, he does talk quite a, at length about in some of those interviews about his life as an extra and a stuntman, which he did leading up to Enter the Ninja. So, uh, you know, and being in The Godfather Part 2 and all that sort of stuff and walking, you know, walking past the camera fixing his coat uh, in, in The Godfather Part 2. So, yeah. All right, everybody. Totally awesome. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Retro Rock Entertainment. You'll find all the episodes of Trash Cinema there. And like he said, check out his stuff over on Amazon and podcasting them softly. Thank you for listening to this episode, and everybody have a good night. Cheerio. He's no ninja. <laughs>